Welcome to Let's Talk About Life, a podcast brought to you by LifeBank, the organ, eye, and tissue recovery agency in Northeast Ohio. Donation can be a complicated subject, but it is really all about life. So spend a few minutes as we unravel the complexities of donation. So come on, let's talk about life. As we progress towards spring, the sound of wedding bells and the wedding march will be heard more frequently. Thank goodness. Who doesn't love a beautiful wedding? And that special moment when the stunning bride makes her entrance and the guests are in awe. If you've been a bride or helped plan a wedding, you know what a big job it is and the millions of details that go into planning that special day. Once the date is set, then the hunt begins. The hunt to find the perfect dress, the perfect venue, food, flowers, music, and oh yeah, raising awareness for organ eye and tissue donation. Hi, you're listening to episode 95 of Let's Talk About Life. I'm your host, Colleen Gerber, kidney recipient and LifeBank staff member. So wait, what? How does organ donation fit into the scheme of planning a wedding? Well, I'm glad you asked. Our guest today will enlighten you on just how much donation means in the middle of an event called the Wedding Rewind, being put together by Jacqueline's Bridal. Here to tell us all about the event and why donation is such a big part of it is Jackie, owner of The Bridal Shop. Jackie, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having us. Jacqueline's Bridal, your shop has been around for a while. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of your, of your shop and why wedding dresses? 13 years ago, I was working for Brideside Demetrius. fell in love with working with brides. It was amazing. And they come to tell me that they were closing. It was devastating to me. And I would drive home every day and found this shop that was there. And it was for rent. And I came home and told my husband, I said, I'd love to open bridal shop because I don't know if I'm going to handle not being able to work with the bride because I loved it. It was in my heart. It was in my soul. We had absolutely nothing. We went down and got a loan from the SBA. And long and behold, six months after Demetrius closed, Jacqueline's bridal opened in six months. It was amazing. Could not believe it. So we started selling wedding gowns and have been doing very well. Something that was very important to me, I said, I want to treat my bride like I, I would treat my daughter. And then we were talking about doing different fundraisers because we've always been involved in different fundraisers. And I sat down with Amber, who's my daughter amazing at everything and I said to her I want to do something that we can give back but have fun but have the brides wear their wedding gown again if they'd like and there was a coordinator sitting with us and said you'll never be able to do that well don't tell us that don't tell my daughter and myself that because that was all we had to hear and we have had seven wedding rewinds of course there would have been more but because of COVID we couldn't do the last two years and they've been very successful. And my other very important thing is if I can't give back to the community, then I don't want to have a business. I shouldn't be there. So that's how Wedding Rewind began. 
what is the wedding rewind? Is it for brides that are upcoming or brides to be or brides that were? It's all of the above. So we get vendors who put on their most beautiful exhibits, but they're a wedding. It's a big wedding. So it's not like you go from table to table like you would do at a, a bridal show. Each table has a beautiful bouquet of flowers. We have the music there. We have a live band. We have a DJ there. We have cookie tables there. We have cakes there. We have the food. We have Drake's Landing, the place where we have it every year. It's a big wedding. And then we do the uh, bouquet toss and the garden toss and, and the cake smash and we get, give out gifts. And then we also have a silent auction where we also raise more money. That was our whole goal with this. How fun. This is almost like a, a faux wedding reception and everybody can participate. It's exactly that. It's very, very formal. Um, everybody comes dressed up in March when there's nothing to do and there's no place to go. And what better is to get dressed up in a formal attire and come to this beautiful wedding? And that's what they do. Oh, my gosh, Jackie, that sounds so much fun. Amber, I'm going to ask you to jump in right now. You work at the bridal shop along with your mom and yes. you're planning this event. Can you tell us what can we expect from this year's Wedding Rewind? So the vendors like to participate in this event because it's different from anything else that anybody puts on in our area. A lot of the vendors are used to participating in a bridal show. This is nothing like a bridal show. It's similar to a charity event because they come and they sit at a table. It's very formal, but a lot more fun. Uh, so it's like going to a wedding without having to bring a card, but they spend money on our charity. And every year we select a different charity, but it tended to be cancer society, different things like that. And we would pick a local one, but everybody knew what this year was going to be about. And that's where we get to connect the dots between the wedding rewind and organized tissue donation. Amber, you and your family have been touched deeply and personally by donation and transplantation. Can you share a little bit about your story and why you chose Life Bank? Sure. So about um, a year and a half ago, my husband was uh, saved by organ donation with the liver transplant. And then after that, um, my mission was to spread the word um, about organ donation and the impact it can have on so many lives. Um, one person can save eight people and impact so many. So after that, it was my mission to make sure that I spread the word about organ donation. And I'm also a teacher as well. So I wanted to make sure that in all areas of my life, that was what I did because my husband is very important to me and our donor hero did so much for us by being so selfless. Donor families always amaze me. And do right. you want to share a little bit about Ed's story and what he went through? Do you remember when you received notification that there was a liver available? Yes, um, that was probably the best call you will ever receive in your life. He was so ill. Uh, we were in the hospital fighting for his life with the amazing team of doctors and nurses at UH Hospital in Cleveland. Big shout out to them because they kept him alive. And I received a call there right by his bedside. And, uh, you know, they said that we have a liver and 
He said it was a good one. <laughs> and, uh, I said, okay. And um, I remember going to his bedside and uh, I said, honey, we're, we got to live it. And they told me to uh, make sure, you know, they get him to the hospital. I said, oh, he's here already. We're here. <laughs> and uh, I remember after telling him, I didn't even really get a chance to call my mom yet. I ran out in the hallway and told his nurses. <laughs> and they were screaming and hooting and hollering. And uh, those people need so much credit because they were remarkable. <laughs> it was like size 55 at UH, by the way. Um, <laughs> We love UH. We do. So dedicated to our, our mission. They were my support because, my, of course, my family, utmost was my support, but I had to be there alone because it was during COVID and my dad was in the parking lot and my mom was here with my kids. When you're there and I, I'm a teacher, I don't know a lot about medical stuff. And they were my education. They were teaching me all the things I needed to know when I was there. And, uh, you know, they, they were remarkable. But so when I went out there, they were like, you would have thought that Eddie was their family member too. Um, then I called my mom and, you know, that call was just amazing. And yeah, it's just a blessing. So they're, they're prepping him, getting his blood transfusion, all that stuff. And that was a little down to get his organ. It was just the best feeling in the world. When you get that call for an organ transplant, you know you're, you're saving a life. Yeah, once he was listed, it was within 24 hours. We got the call. Wow, it was, that's amazing. It truly was. It was God sent. Yeah. Yeah, it was God sent. That's that's so true. If Ed is available, I would love yeah, to talk to him. Hello. Hi, Ed. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for joining our conversation, Ed. And you were really critically ill and close to death's door. Do you remember much about the transplant or post-transplant immediately following the surgery? It's, it's hard to say. I, I mainly remember, you know, my wife, when I watched the clock, she, you know, knowing my wife was coming. I remember doctors coming in and in and out checking on me. Uh, nurses, stuff like that. Uh, I mean, I knew I felt better uh, already. I still wasn't fully, my brain still wasn't fully there yet. But uh, other than that, I knew I was feeling better, which I was uh, a little overexcited because I, kn- I didn't think I would get uh, the transplant. So there's a lot of just uh, laying around, <laughs> yeah. basically. Yeah. Just to share, when you're in liver failure, it's not just about the liver function. There's so many other things it affects. And one of them is it, there's so much more ammonia in your bloodstream and there's less oxygen. And that means it's going to your brain. And you do, you get into a fog and yeah. things yeah. aren't functioning like they should up there. You know, So right. it's a really hard time. Oh, well, yeah, it was easy. And so, I mean, even working while I was sick it was bad because there's a few times i almost passed out i thought i was dehydrated or had high blood pressure problems or something but it's related to a liver issue so i mean for two years there that i can remember there was times where i was almost passing out at work and just trying to get through and then here i find out it was because of my liver so wow. so 100% better now yeah <laughs> how long since your transplant been over a year now, October yeah. uh, 1st of 2020. Wow. So you made it through that one-year hump. Uh, the first yeah. year kind of rough. 
Yes, I did. Yeah, the adjustment of your immunosuppressants alone is is crazy. That's a roller coaster ride. Were you on prednisone? Yes, uh, I'm still on it right now. And I got off of it. They they, they had an issue where it started rejecting. So they put me back on it. And that was a, a fun time when they jump started me on that stuff because they put me on like 100 milligram, but it was, it was a lot. And um, I was talking a mile a minute for someone that doesn't like to talk. So. <laughs> <laughs> they're weaning me off of it right now. So. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I'm going to ask you guys about your donor. Is there any information you had on them, the age, or if it was a man or a woman? No, they weren't able to tell us anything. When Eddie was first out of his liver transplant, his transplant nurse, Jessica, uh, came in and told us that they asked if he made it through surgery and, and if they were allowed to tell his donor family that. And I said, of course. And um, we wrote letters to them. My nine-year-old wrote one of the first letters to them. And it took a while for them to accept them, and they did. And I know that LifeBank said that um, they had to send them to another organization like LifeBank. So I'm assuming that his donor is not close. So, I mean, all we know is that they're a hero to us. (laughs) And Amber, really, that's all you need to know. Um, right. So it sounds to me, Eddie's organ was brought in from another state where his donor was. And LifeBank actually facilitates the transport of those organs to the Cleveland Clinic and University Hospitals to be transplanted. And that's a side of donation not a lot of people are aware of. We call those import organs. And since I am not an expert in that area, I am going to ask my coworker, Brian Andrews, who is a surgical organ recovery coordinator, to explain what LifeBank's role is in import organs and how detailed and important that whole process is. Brian, thank you for taking time out of your day to explain this process. Hi, Colleen. Sure. So an import organ will come from mostly anywhere in the country. But since we're closer to the East Coast, we focus more on the eastern half of the United States. But again, they can come from all over, especially our kidneys can come from pretty much all over the United States, including all the way as far as Hawaii. So the typical import process starts out sort of like this. For UH specifically, UH will they'll give us a call and they'll let us know that they have an import organ. And then they'll let us know what type and then that sort of dictates what we're going to do. So for example, Um, For a heart and lung import, if they're going to send a team to go pick that up, to go procure the organ, what we'll do is they'll let us know the information and we'll start out by coordinating the transportation. We'll get them a car to to pick them up from UH to bring the the surgeons and the recovery team and their equipment and things like that to the airport. Once they're dropped off at Burt Lakefront Airport, they have an aircraft waiting that we also set up. So what we do is we'll contact a couple of our partners that have uh, aircraft. And we'll call them and see if they have anything available when they can be picked up. And so, you know, we'll, we'll go back and forth with them and the, and the local coordinators to let, you know, everybody know when the aircraft's available, what the tail number is, so everybody gets on the correct aircraft when they get there. So once the team gets to the airport, board the aircraft, and then they'll fly to wherever the recovery site is, you know, any of the states relatively nearby. But once they land, they'll be taken by either an ambulance or another car service to the recovery location. 
they'll perform the recovery. And then uh, once the recovery is finished, they will head back in the ambulance, back to the airport, get on the plane, sort of do it all in reverse, come back to Cleveland. We'll have set up another ambulance for them from the airport back to UH to, uh, to do the implant surgery. So there's quite a bit of coordination that goes in there as well, because we're not only talking to the, the coordinator from the UH, but we get added to a big group chat with lots of people, and usually 10 or 11 people or so. Well, we're talking to surgeons, we're talking to the aircraft company, we're talking to transport companies, whether that's the car service or ambulance service or you know whoever. So there's lots of back and forth. And we end up kind of being the middleman for a lot of the conversations, making sure that everybody is where they need to be, when they need to be there. It is a race against time, isn't it? Because organs are so really fragile. Yep, absolutely. So heart, hearts and lungs have about four hours to be transplanted. Livers have a little bit longer, about eight hours or so. And then the kidneys have up to 48 hours, but that's as long as they're on a pump. So we have a lot more time with kidneys. Um, but yeah, so for hearts and lungs, it's hearts, lungs, and livers, really, um, time is of the essence for sure. So that was just for basically UH hearts and lungs. Um, livers are basically the same process. The only difference is, is we'll put a plane on standby if we're not sending a team for a liver. So the difference there is that, you know, we'll call the aircraft company and say, hey, we need an aircraft on standby. And then once they, once the recovering team at whatever location they are, once they accept the organ, then we'll send the plane to go pick the organ up. Got it. So there's not a huge difference, but uh, it's a subtle one. So, I mean, I only spoke on hearts and lung imports for UH, but there is a, a slight difference there. And then there's a difference for when we do an, uh, a fly out with Cleveland Clinic or UH when we are sending a team, when the sorts are coming, because we'll also go with the team. There's a little bit less coordination of setting up transport, but the actual in-OR process, you know, we're there for every step of the way. And then we also preserve the organs for transport while we're out on that case, correct? That's right. Yep. So what we'll do is once the, the organ is recovered, we'll take the organ from the donor and we'll bring it over to our back table. We'll put it into a, our sterile basin and everything, and we'll flush the organ with a preservation solution and then package it in the same type of solution. Um, and put it in, you know, all the, all the appropriate sterile barriers, all the appropriate uh, documentation and tags and things like that. And then it goes into, um, in the case of the liver, it goes into a cooler. We bring it to the transplant center, and that's where we do the, uh, they do the implant. Wow. It's no exaggeration to say that it really takes a village to get an organ recovered and ready for transplant. Absolutely. There are dozens and dozens of people, whether it's on the recovery team or nursing staff at, you know, local hospitals or the recovery hospital if it's out of state or, you know, transport companies, aircraft companies. I mean, there are dozens of people that are involved in every single organ transplant that we do. And it's, you know, it's, it's really amazing when you actually step back and think about all the people that, that it takes to make it all happen. And we do it several times a week. And it, it's just really neat. Brian, you are so right. I am so proud to be part of a team that saves and heals lives. It makes transplant happen, but we all know that they wouldn't happen without the amazing donor families that during their tragedy and time of sorrow, they think of others. Ed, I know you don't know exactly who your your donor is, but if you could speak to your donor's family, what would you share with them? I would uh, obviously express my thanks and uh, my family's thanks. And then, uh, you know, I would just tell them that I'm going to do my best to try to be a, a better person and be someone that's helpful and, and just make the best out of this second chance that I'm getting. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know much. I probably just 
if I got to meet him, I'd probably just give him a hug. I probably wouldn't be able to say anything. So I think it goes beyond words. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And what a beautiful sentiment is to be a better person because of the gift that you've been given. That's an amazing thing. And so I give you credit for holding yourself to that. Thank you. If somebody would talk to you at about organ donation and they said, well, I'm not sure. What would you share with somebody who is maybe on the fence about being an organ donor? That's a, that's a tough one. I'm not much of a salesperson on that kind of stuff, but I just give up the, the examples of the people it helps. Well, my kids, obviously, and my wife. So it would have been hard on them if I wanted to survive. You know, just thinking about other people. I mean, you know, it's a chance to help someone else have a second chance. You know, you get a second chance to be a dad. You get a second chance yeah. to be a husband, a son-in-law, a worker, and contribute to society. It, it's a ripple effect. It's not just that your life was saved, but so many lives were impacted. You have a beautiful yeah. story. Beautiful yeah. story. Amber, I would love for you to share the details of the upcoming Wedding Rewind and how, if any of our listeners want to participate, how they can do that. Sure. Um, so ticket sales are going great. Um, right now we have only six tables available. It's $75 a ticket and anybody can attend. Um, it's not just for a bride. Um, you have to be 21 and older to attend because it's open bar, it's a live band. It's a great time. Um, so you don't have to be a bride. Anybody can come and it is a blast. So because there's six tables only there, um, make sure you do it right away. You can go onto our website and log on, go to the Wedding Rewind tab, and you can purchase tickets through there. And I will mail out your tickets to you, and you will be supporting Life Bank. All proceeds go to Life Bank. And um, let's celebrate the gift of life. Uh, that's awesome. And one of the best things I love about working for Life Bank is that any funds that are raised through your fundraiser or our Gift of Life Walk and Run that's coming up in August or our Over the Edge event or really any fundraisers, all that money is channeled back into two things. And that is one, educating the community about the importance and the vital need for more registered organized tissue donors. And number two, it goes to support those families that said yes to donation and their loved ones went on to be a donor hero. We provide grief services, we provide support groups, donor memorial annually, and many, many other services. So we are with those families for a year to 24 months post-donation. So that money really goes to help the community. And we couldn't be more grateful to Jacqueline's bridal. Jackie, thank you so much. And Amber and Ed, your story is amazing. And we thank you for sharing it with our listeners. You guys are the best. Thank you. We hope you found today's episode informative and inspirational. You know, you can save lives simply by going to lifebanc.org and registering your donation decision. You can catch Let's Talk About Life on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, but you can always find it at lifebank.org. We thank you for listening and we hope you come back next time. And come on, let's talk about life. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk About Life. 
If you have questions about today's podcast, reach out to us at info at lifebank.org. Take a few minutes to do something heroic and register to be an organ donor by saying yes at lifebank.org. Literally, someone's life is depending on it.